0: You're running from God. You want to live life based upon what you want, how you feel, what's best for you, what you think is right, and you want nothing to do with the Father. And it could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be medications. It could be pornography. It could be money. It could be idolatry. The list goes on and on. And sure, maybe you might not be in a distant country. You're here, but still, you're just like this this younger son. And if that's you today, I just want to remind you of something. God loves you. He loves you. You may be here and you've given up on yourself. God has not yet given up on you. Why? Because he never will. God will never, ever give up on you. You may give up on yourself. Your family may give up on you. Your parents may give up on you. God will never give up on you. Why? Because he loves you. Welcome to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life, that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelife.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. So glad that you're tuning in with us today. Hey, grab your Bibles if you have them and meet me in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, third book in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. One of our ushers will get one to you in just a moment. If you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you. We are a Bible teaching, Bible believing church. We will open the Word of God every single time here on the weekends. Hey, you came on a great weekend. Uh, This is a awesome series that we're in. I'm absolutely loving it. It's titled Urgent Care. Uh, Really with the reality in mind is that there are so many people spiritually wounded and dying that need urgent care. And my prayer is that God would use this series over the next couple of weeks to give us a sense of urgency to reach people that don't yet know Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus said uh, to his disciples, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. And we talked about the reality that everyone is a missionary and everyone is a disciple maker. Now today, what we're talking about is we're talking about God's heart for the lost. We're talking about our heart for the lost. And before I say anything else, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we pray that you would take over today. God, where we're tired, wake us up. Where we're distracted, would you focus us? God, we pray that we would receive your word, God, in such a way that by your spirit, we live it out. God, we want to be authentic followers of Jesus. And so would you help us? God, for those that are hurting, for those that are wounded, for those that are sick, God, would your love be real and tangible today? And God, I pray that you would help me speak with clarity, passion, boldness. Have your way in our lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Jesus in Luke chapter 15, he's going to speak in parables and he's going to share three parables. Parables are are really stories that illustrate uh, a spiritual truth. Luke 15 verse 1 says, Now tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, speaking of Jesus. Here's Jesus. He had a reputation for being a friend of sinners, the outcasts, the people that nobody else wanted to be around, the, the people that the religious leaders despised. And it says, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So here's the religious elite, the Pharisees that are criticizing Jesus for hanging out with sinners. Those are the people that are hearing These three parables, these three stories. Keep that in mind because that context is amazing. Now, here's what I love about Jesus sinners were drawn to Jesus. I want to say that again sinners were drawn to Jesus. Well, well, how can they be drawn to Jesus through the way you and I live our lives? I believe there's three simple and profound things you and I can do. Number one, when it comes to our jobs, we can be the hardest workers. There's too many Christians that are just lazy and slackers when it comes to their employment and they wonder why people aren't drawn to Jesus. Be the hardest worker. Uh, second of all, allow your words to be a true reflection of your heart. In other words, allow there not to be coarse joking, uh, critical spirit, gossip, anything that will turn people off in the love of Christ. Then thirdly, unleash love and compassion in your life. You do those three things and people will be drawn to Jesus through you. Why? Because you'll be a light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. In Matthew chapter five, he said, you're the light of the world. Live in such a good way where people see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. People were drawn to Jesus. I pray in this upcoming season, people are drawn to Jesus through the way you live your life. He goes on in verse three and starts the first of three parables. Talk about a hundred sheep. So he told them this parable. He says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Now don't miss this. This is the key for our vision here at Shelter Cove. Says the... The one, our vision here is that every one will know him, every lost boy, girl, man, woman. My prayer is that you would have a one in your life, somebody that doesn't know God, somebody that's running from God, somebody that's enjoying sin, that we would all have somebody in our life that does not yet know Jesus. He goes on in verse five and says this, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So one, When a sinner comes to know Jesus, heaven celebrates, and so do we. Hundred sheep, one leaves. What does the good shepherd do? Jesus is known as the good shepherd. He goes after the one. Ten coins. Verse eight, or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found... The lost, uh, the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What does the sheep represent? What does the coin represent? Something of great value. Again, there's celebration. Grab your friend, grab your neighbor. We're gonna celebrate because what was lost is now found. 100 sheep, 10 coins, two sons. Two sons. If you've got your notes out, there's three points that I want you to see as we ask ourselves the question, how can we love the lost? How how can we be a church that's about the one that, that loves the lost? And this is the first point in the notes. It's simply this, understand the reality of the lost. Understand the reality of the lost. When the Bible talks about lost people, it talks about people that don't have a relationship with the Father talks about people that are perishing. It talks about people that are disconnected from God. It's it's talking about people that have wandered away and don't know their way back. Now in these parables, uh, these first two, it doesn't really talk about how the sheep got lost, how the coin got lost. That doesn't really matter. The fact is, is that they're lost and when they're lost, they need to be found. And he goes on, Jesus in verse 11 and says, And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. You talk about the utmost disrespect. It's like spitting in his father's face. Dad, I can't wait till you're dead to get the inheritance. I don't want you, I want your stuff. But this is a disgrace. And he goes on and he he says this, He says, and he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the son gathered all that he had and took a journey to a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Here's the reality of somebody that's lost. They don't want God the father. They just want what he gives us. Want the blessing, want want all the good stuff. They want, want to live life based upon themselves being in charge. And so he goes and he has this Las Vegas experience hangs out with prostitutes, hookers, does all that kind of stuff, most likely, and he gets to a point where he has absolutely nothing. By the way, that's the grace of God. Because when we get to a point where we have nothing, it's often then that we turn to God. God when we've tried things ourselves and we've tried everything our own way and we've realized, man, it doesn't work out, that's the grace of God. So many of us know high school students that have graduated and they're like, you know what, I'm done living at home. Uh, I just wanna go out, I wanna party, I wanna live life on my own. And I think it's very interesting that the father here did not enable his son and say, you know what, you can just live here and do whatever you want. No, here's a father that had the same mindset as Joshua. Joshua said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so what does this father do? He does one of the hardest things, a father, can do. He gives them what he asked for, knowing the consequences. Because here's the reality. When it comes to sin, sin is something you never control. Sin controls you. And I look at this son, and sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. It will keep you farther Take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It will cost you more than you want to pay. Why? Because sin never satisfies. And so here's this son. He's lost. He goes to a distant country. Where's a distant country? It's anywhere where you're away from the father. And I say this because for some of you, when it comes to the younger brother, this is you right now. you're running from God, you wanna live life based upon what you want, how you feel, what's best for you, what you think is right, and you want nothing to do with the Father. And it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be medications, it could be pornography, it could be money, it could be idolatry, the list goes on and on. And sure, maybe you might not be in a distant country, you're here, but still, you're just like this, this younger son. And if that's you today, I just want to remind you of something, God loves you. He loves you. You may be here and you've given up on yourself. God has not yet given up on you. Why? Because he never will. God will never, ever give up on you. You may give up on yourself. Your family may give up on you. Your parents may give up on you. God will never give up on you. Why? Because he loves you. Just for who you are. But the first thing that we need to understand in this passage is the reality of the lost, they are perishing. They are away from God, they are lifeless, they are helpless, they are hopeless because they do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Second thing we see is to imitate God's response to the lost. How do we love the lost? We need to imitate God's response uh, to the lost. And I love this because in verse 17, the story picks up and says, but when he came to himself, this is speaking of the younger brother, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. I love this because that's repentance. Repentance is a change of thinking. It's a change of mind that leads to a changed direction. Here's a young man, that's like, man, I, I realized that it was better with, with my father. How low had this guy gotten? He got to a point where he longed to eat the food that the pigs were eating. You talk about something that was totally culturally unclean, It was not just hanging out with the pigs, but for a Jew to want to eat the pigs' food, I mean, that's, that's as low as it, as it gets. And here's the awesome thing. He knows what to do. He's rehearsed it in his head. I'm gonna go back to my father, not just as a son, but one of his servants. See, true repentance doesn't know just what to do. It actually does it because this is what it says. It says, and he arose and he came to his father. He didn't know just the right thing. He actually did it. And it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I love this. What does this mean? This means, again, that the father never gave up on the son. When the father saw him coming home, he didn't wait there with crossed arms and being like, okay, what'd you do? I told you you're gonna screw up your life. What happened? You probably have no money. Dude, you reek you've been hanging out with pigs, right? You don't see any of that. You see a father running towards his son in that culture men would not run why they'd have to pull up their robes and they would expose their legs the culture didn't matter what was the one thing that mattered the one thing that matters what that the son was home and so he's chasing after the son he's pursuing the son he kisses the son and it doesn't stop there and his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe. Not any robe, the best robe. And put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. I love this. Because the father is saying, You know what? But bring a robe. I want you to cover my son with the best. Don't miss that. The father didn't say to the son, shower first. Clean yourself up first. See, when you come to Jesus Christ, you don't clean yourself up. You let him clean you up. He covers him with this clean robe, which means you could no longer see any dirt in his life, but just the covering of the father. What does he give? He puts a ring on his finger. What does that ring represent? Sonship, which means you're not just a slave, you're my son. And just in case his son didn't get that, he put sandals on his feet. Why? Because slaves did not wear shoes. Only family members would wear sandals. He would put sandals on his feet, just to reiterate again, you are not a slave, you are my son. And then what does he do? He say, kill the calf. Why? Because we're about to have a party up in here, Right? Because my son was lost, and now he is found uh, i I absolutely love this because this this is the heart of God. God is a pursuer of lost people. don't miss that second peter chapter two or verse three uh um, Second Peter three nine He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. We see in the old testament uh, ezekiel thirty three eleven God says, "I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live it's, it's a hard for the lost you know it was uh, last year early November, we had a junior high uh, night Tuesday night, and uh, we've got a we had a thirteen year old at the, at the time not my wife and I, a different different child that was here with special needs, has Down syndrome, and he's been known to be an escape artist, where all of a sudden he's just gone. And so junior high is going, and all of a sudden this, this teenage boy is, is missing. He's gone. Uh, Kelly got a phone call because it's somebody that we know, and I, I heard about it, came over to the church. And in that time, it's like time stood still. Because nothing else mattered but this... Young 13-year-old was lost and he needed to be found. I pulled up to the church parking lot, ran into uh, one of our elders who was sweating profusely while he was literally running up and down Coffee Road yelling for the son. I started driving up and down Coffee Road. Uh, We had a a guy that had a a quad outside putting hay on it um, from the the weekend before our big outreach event, took it all off, put the quad in the uh, field up north, driving through through all the fields, looking for this boy, yelling his name, fire trucks were here, police cars were here, why nothing else mattered. Scary situation. And you know what's even scarier about that? Is we have people that are not just physically lost, they're spiritually lost and they don't even know it. They've wandered from the Father. They're spiritually dead, they're helpless, they're hopeless. Now, we had a group of people that night that would not stop looking until this boy was found. A little bit later, he's found, he starts running. And do you know who he runs to? He runs to the arms of his father. Friend, friends, that's, that's the heart that we need to have. That's the, what we need to realize is it's the heart of God is somebody that pursues lost people. What would it look like for you and I to not just understand the reality of the loss, but that we would imitate the reality and recognize the reality of the heart of the father in this upcoming season and and the father's response to the lost. But it doesn't stop there because once the lost are found, what do we get to do? Point three in your notes is simply this, participate in rejoicing for the found. We get to participate in rejoicing for the found. I love what it says when the, the, the sheep wandered off and the shepherd went after the sheep Jesus says, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Verse 10 with the coin, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When a sinner repents, heaven throws a party. All right, let me put it this way. Heaven throws a party, right? (laughs) That's what happens. There is celebration that takes place. Here's what we're gonna do Easter weekend. Easter weekend, we're gonna have a party here. And here's why, we're gonna have baptisms right here. What is baptism? Baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. It's where we publicly identify with the death of burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's this picture of being born again in Jesus. And if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ or in the loft or watching online, sign up to get baptized. Why? Because we are going to throw a party. Let me just take this a step further. This is one of the greatest ways for you to invite your family members and friends that don't yet know Jesus Christ. is to say, hey, I'm getting baptized. I want you to come, check check me out, getting, getting dunked. They're gonna dunk me deep. They're gonna hold me underwater for like four minutes, like make up a cool story so that they come and wanna check it out. You're like, David Blaine's got nothing on me. Watch me under the water and watch them come and watch them hear about the message of Jesus Christ. So here's, here's what we do. We, we participate in the rejoicing of the found. Verse 25 puts it this way It says, Now the older brother was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. Then he said to him, Your brother was, has come home, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back and safe and sound. So here's the older brother, he comes home, he hears music and dancing, right? Mm, 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 mm. Like what's going on? Like it sounds like a party that's going on in there. Talks to the servant, the servant says, oh yeah, dad's in the house while well, your brother who's been lost, he, he's found and throwing a party. What would be the appropriate response of the older brother? Yes. Praise God, dropping to his knees. My brother who wanted nothing to do with the father is home. I've been praying for him every day. No, that's not the response that we see. In fact, it's the complete opposite. And this is what it says. It says, but he was angry and refused to go in. Boy, you want a definition of being self-righteous? It's when you're angry, when someone else gets what you want. You're frustrated. See, so we, we don't talk about this a lot in church, but self, self-righteous people, they're, they're all about themselves. They want all the praise. They want all the recognition. They uh, love the approval of others. They reject correction. They know it all. They're all about displaying their good works. And there's almost this this happiness inside when somebody else fails. Why? Because it makes us feel better about ourselves. And so here's this older brother. He's filled with self-righteousness. He's angry. He pouts outside like a two-year-old and the father came out and entreated him, tells him to come on in. But he answered his father, look at, look, these many years I served you and I never disobeyed you in your command. Baloney. Yet, you never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Don't miss that. He said I just wanted to celebrate with my friends. I wanted to party. I wanted a goat. Here's another guy who was home the whole time, but just like the younger brother, he didn't want the father, he wanted the father's stuff. Which son was lost? Both. Both. Don't miss that. See my My greatest concern is not just simply for people that have wandered off and want nothing to do with God. But I think my greatest concern is for people that come to church on a regular basis. And they raise their hands and they worship and they bring their Bibles and maybe they even tithe and sing as loud as they can but they're self-righteous sinners and they don't even know it because their whole mindset is not about what Jesus has done. It's about what they've done. This older brother was, I've served you. I've never disobeyed you. It's all about me. When you stand before Jesus Christ, you don't say, God, look at what I've done. No, it's look at what Jesus Christ has done If you stand before God and say, look at what I've done, it will get you absolutely nowhere because the Bible says that our good needs are nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of God. See, the danger of this older brother is that he was just just as messed up as the younger brother. Don't miss that. This older brother, as good as he thought he was, was just as messed up as the son that left see here's the crazy thing about sin sin puts us all in the same playing field story goes on but when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fattened calf for him and he said to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Two brothers, both lost. You know, here's the crazy thing. I think a lot of us as parents will, when we've got a prodigal that's just a mess, we're we're praying to God for our son or daughter, we're like, God, first of all, help me not to kill them, right? Just being honest here. But then God, would you, would you spare them? Would they come home? But you know what we often don't pray for? Is our kids that are at home doing everything right. We don't often pray, God, help, our, help this other kid not to be like the self-righteous older brother because he needs the grace of God or she needs the grace of God just as much as the prodigal, don't miss that. See, why do we struggle to have a heart for the lost? Because we've never recognized, we've never realized, we've never admitted that we've just been as lost as they've been. By God's grace, I was never a prodigal, I never ran off and lived a Vegas lifestyle, partied, all that kind of stuff, that's God's grace the same time, I was a lot like the older brother. And I still have older brother tendencies inside of me. And I need the grace of God just as much as anybody else. Well, how do you know if you're self-righteous? Well, if you look to yourself and you plead to God when somebody else gets what you want, when somebody else gets the job that you want and you're like the older brother, I've always been here, I've always worked hard, I've always served, it's not fair, I've kept all the rules, self-righteous. you have always wanted a baby, you've been praying for years and some teenager gets knocked up after one time, you're like, God, I've done everything right. I've kept all the rules. How do you know when you're not self-righteous and you're spiritually mature when you can celebrate when other people get the very thing you want? Let me just be very practical and very real and it's been a a crazy season in my own life, but there are, are several of you that have longed to get pregnant and then you hear my story about how I'm 47 years old, had my vasectomy three years ago and I got my wife pregnant. And you're like, congratulating. Even though you've been waiting for year after year after year for a child and here's a pastor that didn't even want one and he's got one. Spiritual maturity is when we celebrate with others, the very thing we want. And I love this story because both sons are sinners and Jesus is talking to at the beginning, the Pharisees. What would it look like for you and for me in this season to really understand the reality of the lost, to imitate God's response to the lost where we are pursuing sinners, where we are rejoicing When sinners are found and the only way we're gonna do that is when we recognize how messed up we are or were and we can extend the same grace that God represented to us and extended to us. So what do we do with this? How do we live this out? I believe there's two things. Number one, the question I have for you is are you lost? And today you might be here and be like, you know, I've never lived a, the Vegas life and I never ran and lived wildly, but you are more caught up in your self-righteousness than you've ever realized. And You're looking down on sinners. So you feel good about yourself. There's this joy you get when other people struggle because it makes you feel better about yourself. It's about what you do your works, your efforts. Friends, that does not get you into heaven. The only thing that gets you into the heaven is the gift of salvation through the shed blood and resurrected body of Jesus Christ. If you are lost, my prayer for you today is that you would be like the younger brother, that you would repent of your sins and receive Jesus. See that that younger brother, he went away proud, but he came back humble. One way proud saying, I want it all, came back humble. Father, just take me back as one of your servants. Just wanna be with you. And then second of all, is simply this. Next slide, go ahead, sorry. Is bring your one this Easter. Your one, the person that's not walking with God, the person that's lost. Last week, Pastor Chad said, "Hey, identify your one." Now I want to take it a step further and say, "This Easter, bring your bring your one. If you don't invite them and bring them to church, maybe nobody else will." Would you risk getting rejected because you care about somebody that much? Would you risk embarrassing yourself? Don't worry about the words. God's going to use whatever words in ways that are beyond your wildest imagination. And I was at the gym uh, Friday night, a buddy of mine, Mike, went up to somebody and said, hey, uh, can you come to church this weekend to another guy? He's like, I can't, I can't come this weekend. I came in and said, what about Easter? And I love that because he initiated the conversation and I went in for the kill. <laughs> What would it look like for you to just bring some people this Easter, come early, reserve some seats and say, you know what? I wanna give them the opportunity to let them know that they were created by God, loved by God, and that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins so they can have life. One of the greatest experiences you can ever have is seeing somebody you know give their life to Jesus Christ and be a part of it. Don't miss out on that opportunity this Easter. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for the lost, which means thank you for your love for me. God, it's a privilege to be a pastor, but I'm just as messed up. I'm just as much in the need of grace and mercy and forgiveness as anybody else here because your sin or our sin puts us all on the same playing field, Heavenly Father, where we desperately need your grace and your forgiveness in your life. With all heads bowed, nobody looking around. For those of you that are here and in our venue and online and you're lost. If You're honest with yourself, you're lost. Maybe you relate to the younger son, maybe the older son. Today you want to be found because Jesus is pursuing you? Would you repent? Would you change your thinking? And would you run to Jesus knowing that he's going to be chasing after you? He hasn't given up on you. He desires you. He's pursuing you. He sent his son to die for you so that you could have life. And if that's you in this moment, through a simple prayer, it's, it's, it's not a special prayer. It's your heart. It's a heart that says something like this. Dear Jesus, I want you I need you I desire you I'm going to chase after you which means I'm repenting from my sin and I pray that you would change my pride into humility and I give you total control of my life and I trust that you're going to do with it as you please to make the rest of my life the best of my life because I'm with you with all heads bowed, nobody looking around. If that's you today for the first time, you wanna give your life to Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand? You just raise your hand, say, that's me. I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ. Good, I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Like, I I just wanna come home to the Father. Good, I see that hand. Is there anyone else? It's the greatest decision you could ever make. Good, that hand. Raise your hand high and look at me. It's one of the greatest things you could do. Good, is there anybody else? Five more seconds to change your life because you want to run to Jesus. Good, I see that hand as well. God, I thank you so much for the hands that were raised and the hearts that were changed. God, we pray that you would give us a spirit of boldness to bring somebody to Easter. And God, for some of us, we recognize that we haven't lived the perfect life. And we're just going to admit that to our friends. Hey, I've struggled, but I want to get serious about my relationship with Jesus. And I just want to jo- you to join me this Easter for church. God, help us to be real. We love you. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, we had four or five people give their lives to Christ. Can we just appreciate What God is doing here. A couple things before you leave. Number one, we've got baptisms. Don't forget about that. Sign up, get baptized, invite your friends. We've got invite cards uh, on your seats. Uh, There's a couple of them. Give those out. We've also have carabiners in the ministry mall. You can grab some of those. They got a QR code. Great way to invite your friends. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We will see.